Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In an experiment. Why is light so far? Like it sounds so simple. They had no idea. But now the data speaks. I find this not only refreshing, but but at some level astounding. Nature. Welcome back to the Nature Podcast. This week, the battle for better sanitation in the US. And a new measure of the muon's magnetism. I'm Nick Patrick-Chow. And I'm Shamli Bundell. First up on the show, flushing a toilet is something most of us probably do without thinking twice. But for many people, living without basic sanitation is something they have to deal with every day. For some, what goes into toilets doesn't get whisked away underground with the pull of a lever. Instead, it flows directly from their houses to the ground outside, oozing into back gardens and cesspools. And when it rains, that raw sewage can back up into their homes. It's a horrifying thought. And yet for decades, this has been the situation faced by millions of people, including in rural communities living in the United States of America, the richest nation in the world. Catherine Coleman Flowers is the author of a new book, Waste, which is about her fight against America's dirty secret. She told our reporter, Anand Jagatia, more about the book and her story. The type of conditions that people face are, one, there are people that are living in homes where the sewage is straight piped, as it's described, onto the ground. When they flush the toilet, it comes out of the house. That means you'll see everything that was in the toilet out on top of the ground. Uh, and a lot of the people that are in those conditions are poor, and they have uh, they generally live in mobile homes. But we've also found people that live in houses where the septic tank that they had put in place or cesspools no longer work, and they disconnected them. The second problem that we found are those people that have paid for wastewater treatment and put in place these septic systems, and they are failed. The sewage, the gravity pushes the sewage back into the homes, and it usually comes into the bathtubs or whatever, and we've had situations where people have come back home, and their homes have been flooded with raw sewage. The third problem that we found are people that are paying wastewater treatment fees that are part of small 
municipalities and they have these lagoon systems in these rural communities, which is essentially a big pond where all the sewage from the town goes there and they build it next to a residential community. And every time it rains or when there's a failure, it ends up in their houses or in their yards. The book largely focuses on the situation that's faced by people living in in Lowndes County, which is where you grew up in Alabama. Access to clean water and sanitation is one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And clearly the United States of America isn't a developing country, right? It's the richest nation on earth. And yet there are people who don't have access to this kind of basic human right. Yes, I think when I take people to see it, they're very shocked because they don't expect to see what they see. Because against the backdrop of all of this wealth, it's this type of inequality. And it tends to exist in rural communities, poor communities, and especially in communities of color. Right at the beginning, you, you say that you can't really begin to understand the situation in Lowndes County without looking at the wider context and specifically looking at the history of slavery in the United States and also the soil in this part of the world. Can you sort of unpack that a bit for us. In terms of the history, after the United States Constitution ended the importation of slaves from Africa, uh, they started a, a robust slave trading markets here in the South. And one of those places was Montgomery, Alabama, which is the capital city of Alabama. And from there, a lot of slaves were sold into areas like Lowndes County. Lowndes County now is at least 80% black. Uh, the soil was was the reason that people were brought there in the first place so that they could farm the cotton that was grown there. But the soil is also the reason that we can't treat wastewater. The soils in our communities, especially in the Black Belt region of Alabama, holds water. And water can really impact the way these on-site septic systems work. The other problem is that underneath the soils, we have high water tables. And that's another problem. That impacts us. The more we have climate change, the more the water tables, which were high normally, are getting even higher and makes it harder to use on site septics for treatment. And that's what creates a lot of the problems. And I think the way it has been addressed has been largely because of the, the history and legacy of slavery. As someone who's been an activist in this area for many years, trying to give people a voice and trying to get the story of this place told, You've, you've actually had to learn a lot of, of science along the way and work with scientists and kind of just figure stuff out. Can you tell us a little bit about what that journey was like and the kind of scientists you had to work with? Well, basically, in the beginning, I started working with people that were associated with the health department. But I, you know, I started to learn that what they were telling me was only part of the story. It was to support the narrative and the laws that they had written. Uh, part of what we had to do was listening to the local people in the community. A lot of the science that I was taught was actually taught by them. They were the scientists because they were living with the failures. So they were able to tell us, for an example, when it rained, they had more problems. One of the things that happened as a result of listening to local people, they started talking about illnesses. And I had my own personal experience that led to me partnering with Baylor's National School of Tropical Medicine and Dr. Peter Hotez. And he said, I'm going to send my parasitologist there. We need to look for hookworm. And he also talked about what he termed neglected diseases of poverty. We did this parasite study. And as a result, we found that uh, at least 30% of the population based on our study, were uh, infected with some intestinal parasites, generally hookworm. Uh, hookworm, at least in children, it can cause them to be anemic. It can also slow their development. And hookworm uh, was thought to be wiped out in the United States in the early part of the 1900s. But we, we proved that that was not the case. 
I mean, how do you think that I mentioned earlier that UN's uh, sustainable development goals and when people think about those things, um, they're going to have an image in their heads of the kind of places that those goals need to be targeted at. In your experience, is poverty in rural communities something that isn't really given enough attention? I believe that poverty in rural communities is a problem and a lot of rural communities are dying because of lack of investment and they don't have the tax base to maintain the infrastructure that was put in place and the state has put nothing there to to support them. We give a lot of breaks at tax breaks and give a lot of money and incentives to to industry but we don't do the same thing when it comes to people and I think that if we reverse that paradigm and start investing in communities that we will see the results of that in a positive way, including sanitation equality and the human right to water and sanitation. That was Catherine Coleman-Flowers talking to Anand Jagatia about her new book, Waste, One Woman's Fight Against America's Dirty Secret. You can find a review of the book in the show notes. Coming up, we'll be hearing how a new measurement of the subatomic muon may mean the standard model lives to fight another day. Right now, though, it's time for this week's research highlights, read by Dan Fox. Want fresh results? Well, it might be time to find some new colleagues. At least, that's what a group of researchers investigating the effectiveness of newly formed teams may have found. Teamwork is vital to science, but little is known about the differences in effectiveness between established teams and newly created ones. To get a better understanding, a group of researchers analysed hundreds of thousands of physical science articles. They found that teams of co-authors that had worked together the least produced the smallest number of research papers, but their work had the greatest originality. Their papers also had significantly more impact in several research areas than papers from teams whose members had worked together before. According to the authors, large and fresh teams had the most original and impactful work. But they also stress it's not clear whether this is a cause and effect relationship. Assemble your team and read that paper in full in Nature Human Behaviour. Even sea creatures need a little pampering from time to time, with giant manta rays making regular visits to cleaning stations where small fish rid the rays of skin parasites at the coral reef equivalent of a day spa. Now it seems the rays are more discerning customers than previously realised, able to identify and remember spots where they have received quality cleaning. A group of researchers tracked 34 reef manta rays off the coast of eastern Australia to try and understand how cleaning stations influenced their movements. They found the highest density of rays at places where cleaning fish called blue streak cleaner wrasses were most abundant, with the rays typically visiting during the day when cleaner wrasses are most active. The rays' behaviour suggests they have a mental map of spots that offer both high-quality cleaning and proximity to foraging grounds. Use your mental map to find that paper at Ecology and Evolution. Next up this week, reporter Ali Jennings has been finding out how a strange discrepancy between a theoretical result and one measured experimentally has got physicists redoing their sums to see if they've stumbled into a whole new world of physics. The standard model describes the elementary subatomic particles and most of the fundamental forces that make up the universe. 
it is currently scientists' best accepted theoretical description of the quantum world and how these particles and forces interact with each other. So when there's an experimental result that the standard model can't explain, quantum physicists get excited because that could mean that there's new physics out there to discover. Step forward, the muon. A muon is a subatomic particle similar to the electron, and both generate a magnetic field. One aspect of the muon's magnetic field, the magnetic moment, was measured experimentally back in 2001, and here is where it gets interesting. The experimental result was not what previous theoretical calculations based on the standard model predicted. and physicists have been trying to find out why so the previous calculations people have been doing for many many decades this is zoltan fodor from penn state university in the us he and his colleagues had a paper out in nature last week where they recalculated the muon's magnetic moment using a different theoretical approach and they concentrated on improving one area of calculations that physicists had previously found difficult to accurately ascertain so if you look at the calculation for the magnetic moment of the muon and you look at the error essentially all of the errors are coming from the strong interaction the strong interaction is the fundamental force that holds together subatomic particles called hadrons hadrons can momentarily pop in and out of existence near a muon and their strong interaction can affect the muon's magnetic moment Up until now, the most precise theoretical calculations of this effect have been based on data taken from other experiments. But Zoltan has a different approach. He and his collaborators designed a computer model to simulate how hadrons interact with muons, but the model is based entirely on theory. And to build it, they had to work out how the world functions at a subatomic level. So what we do, we put the word on a mesh on a space-time grid we call it lattice and we solved the underlying equations on these space-time lattice and you can solve it for this hadronic contribution to the muon's magnetic moment and that's what we did zoltan compares it to weather forecasting and to help predict the weather Aircraft fly around measuring variables like temperature, pressure and wind speed at specific points on a grid. Those measurements are put into a computer and can be used to calculate the coming weather. But instead of temperature and pressure, Zoltan's variables are in the subatomic particles and forces interacting with the muon. And there are a lot of them. So it's about a couple of billion variables. and you calculate how these variables interact with each other the complexity is enormous and if you want to reach an error an uncertainty which is comparable with the uncertainty of the experiment then it's really a tremendous work so zoltan and his collaborators simulated a tiny slice of the subatomic world based entirely on the underlying quantum theory They then used this to predict the magnetic moment of the muon. This is the first time that this kind of calculation has been done to such a fine margin of error. And if their new theoretical prediction was different from the experimental measurements, 
then new kinds of physics could be on the horizon. But that's not what they found. Our result was surprisingly much, much closer to the experimental result. So our result suggests that there is probably nothing beyond the standard model. I asked Zoltan how he felt about that. If you ask me, uh, then yes, it's a little bit of pity that uh, it is not uh, a new force or a new interaction, what we have found. But if nature decided that there is nothing new in the moon's magnetic moment, then let it be. When I first heard about it, I thought it was a huge bummer. This is nature's senior reporter for the physical sciences, Davide Castelvecchi. The standard model always wins. Well, you know, there's no hope (laughs) for new physics. But of course, it's a bit more complicated than that. In fact, last week, there was excitement over a new experimental measurement of the muon's magnetic moment. That new result would have reinforced the difference between the experimental and theoretical measurements, were it not for Zoltan's new calculations. So how does the physics community feel about Zoltan's findings? I think that people are taking a wait-and-see attitude uh, because, you know, it's only the first time that this calculation with lattice has been done with sufficient precision and there's a lot of other teams that are working on cross-checking it. But they also say that it's very puzzling that the result would be so much different from the conventional way of calculating it. In other words... How could the previous theoretical calculations of the muon's magnetic moment be so different from Zoltan's new calculations, given that they're both based on the standard model? One possible explanation could stem from the way experimental data is used in the previous calculations. If there are uh, new kind of physics laws that affect the experimental data, then you may not be interpreting it correctly. When, when people take experimental data and plug it into the calculations, they do it based on the standard model. But if there's something wrong with the standard model, then, you know, all bets are off. So Zoltan's result doesn't shut the door on new physics. There may well be other subatomic particles waiting to be found. And of course, the standard model still has a number of problems. For example, it cannot explain gravity or dark energy or dark matter. So there's a lot of reasons why physicists expect the standard model ultimately to either fail or need some expansion. People know that there has to be something else there. So don't give up on that brand new physics just yet. That was Ali Jennings speaking to Zoltan Fodor from Penn State University and Davide Castelvecchi of Nature. You can find a link to Zoltan's paper and Davide's news article on all that's going on in the world of muons in the show notes. And that is all for this edition of The Nature Podcast. Before we go, there's just time to give a shout out to a new film that's up on the Nature Video YouTube channel. We have a new animation all about coronavirus variants and the science behind them. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, so do check it out. And as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We're at Nature Podcast. Or you can send us an email. We're podcast at nature.com. I'm Nick Petrichow. And I'm Sharmini Bundell. Thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.